afternoon, evening, and night. Welcome to the Pooter Employee Health and Wellness Podcast. Today, Kelly Burns, Kelly Glick, and myself, Amanda Brantley, are talking about changing your state with somatic technologies. So I will let Kelly and Kelly introduce themselves. Well, hello, this is Kelly Glick, and I am part of the mental health team with the Pooter School District. And I can't wait to talk about this because I have so much to learn about this topic. And we have some wonderful experience and expertise in our little virtual room today. I'm so excited too, Kelly and Amanda. Thanks for having me. This is my favorite thing to talk about. We do a lot of this work in our mindfulness council. We do a lot of this work with sustainable teaching through our CSU writing project. We do a lot of this work in our yoga practices and really just our daily lives of parenting and educating and showing up in service of public education. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for inviting me, Amanda. Yeah, I'm so excited to sit down and talk with you guys. I think understanding our somatic, so soma meaning body, responses to life's challenges and adversities really are what can catapult our ability to not be controlled and steered by the neck up, but really understanding how we can regulate ourselves and then also better regulate classrooms and our families and our own person. Yeah, I feel like we had a conversation about this recently where Kelly G was talking about how important it is to know, just like to be aware of what even feeling dysregulated is or feels. Can you say more about that? That was fascinating. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but I love my job and it's also one that produces a lot of adrenaline on a regular basis. And so I feel like when I started to read the research behind mindfulness and meditation and things like that, I was like, wow, I should be using this, but I wasn't super motivated to do it because I had compartmentalized for so long to be able to keep going, right? Like I didn't want to know what my body felt like. I didn't want to recognize things there because I didn't feel that good. I just had adrenaline rushes all day and was kind of in fight or flight all day. And so the thought of doing one more habit or one more practice was just too much. And then when I I did it anyway, because I knew it would be good for me, it took me months before I suddenly had this light bulb moment where I was like, oh my goodness, stress is uncomfortable, right? But before I did all those practices and just stuck with them and and tried little bits and pieces of things, I was in fight or flight so much that I didn't have a frame of reference. And so I'd encourage anyone who's listening to this, like try, try things anyway. Like if it seems like one more thing, try it anyway, because until you have a frame of reference for, oh, this is what stress feels like. And it doesn't feel good. You just keep going and you just keep going and you just keep managing your stress in a way that's unhelpful and unhealthy, I would say. I love that. I think it's really important to understand what does our body feel like at equilibrium? So the response between where our sympathetic and our parasympathetic are working hand in hand to keep us either up and going in the morning, right? Our, we need our sympathetic nervous system to get us up and going. And then we also need our parasympathetic nervous system to have that cool, calm and collected rest and digest. So understanding and being able to be comfortable with that discomfort of living in the body when you're constantly in a fight or flight is something that's counterintuitive to our culture. I'm just like nodding. I know your listeners can't see me nodding, but yes. And this idea that not only is it countercultural, but 
we are rewarded and our system sort of benefits from us going, 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 going. And so not only does it feel countercultural in your body, but you start to change the ethos of your department, your team, wherever you are, your staff, your students in your classroom, when you start to say, we're actually going to change the ethos of this and slow down. We're going to slow down so we can feel what it feels like. One of the things I've heard students and teachers say is, I feel tired when I practice some somatic technologies. That just makes me feel tired. And I just want to name for us a question I have in response to that is, are you, do you feel tired or is that what relaxation feels like? But we're so used to not feeling that during the day. And we only really relax when we're getting ready for bed at night, many of us. So I just wanted to throw that in there. That reminds me of a quote I just read from Deb Dana, Dana or Dana, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, but she wrote the book Rhythms of Regulation, which is as our automatic state changes, so does our story. And so our story about, you know, being able to rest and recover versus our story of being in that fight or flight and constant going, going, going. So changing that and how does that change our story about what we're telling ourselves, our students, our classrooms? Well, in, in education, the myth of productivity is the currency that we exchange. So to change our story, that productivity is our worth, is our identity. If we're not over busy, we're not being a good teacher or counselor or social worker or health and wellness coordinator. So I love the idea of changing our story around productivity. I literally have a sticky note. Our listeners can't see it, but it's a sticky note right here. And it says your productivity is not your self-worth. I would love to change that story for all of us. And practicing these somatic technologies, knowing where they come from in little chunks during the day is how that story starts to change. We share it with our colleagues and we it's an invitation in. So I have a question for Kelly Glick. How do you start to recognize when you're in that fight or flight to get back into, to know that you need to regulate? It's so interesting because after you survive there for so long, it, it's weird that you can even fathom something different, right? But, you know, for, I think it's different for each person. But I mean, for me, it's like you get a sick feeling in your body when you're paying attention, right? When you realize that you're trying to multitask and you're not being very productive and your emotions are all over the place and you're tired and you're foggy. Like to me, that's like what fight or flight feels like all the time because you're supposed to have it for short bursts. You're not supposed to live in it for years at a time. And so I think at least for me, that's, that's what it feels like, but I'm curious what it feels like for everyone else too. For me, I think when I'm living in fight or flight, a lot of the fog for sure. I really resonated with that. And it's like, I can't control my thoughts. It's ADD everywhere. It's like, oh, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this. And it's a lot of self-criticism and a lot of rumination. And like you said, there's no one focused track. That's so fascinating. You know, as mindfulness practitioners, noticing the critic's voice coming in more in fight or flight rather than a tenderness that can be present when we slow down, that seems like a benefit in and of itself to check in from the neck down. But yeah, God, when you said that, it really resonated that yes, fight or flight feels like the critic. It feels like somebody's like, go faster, do more. And also I would like to name that like, it's addictive. It feels kind of in a gross way good. Like, yeah, watch me now. Like, look, look at all the stuff I'm getting half done. Hashtag boss babe. <laughs> right, and it's gross. It's so gross. I don't want to participate in that anymore. Can we talk about ways to not do that in our last remaining minutes? 
So there's five somatic technologies that we can activate pretty regularly in, in small and big moments that are useful. First and oldest is breath. You know, breath, I always say when I'm teaching yoga class, this is your oldest friend. It's the thing that let your, your birth people know that you were alive. And it, it also lets you know you're alive, like in the middle of a passing period or between before a hard meeting. So activating some breath, and we will include, hopefully in some liner notes, this this article from American Scientist or American Science, I think that's the journal article. It's a peer-reviewed article on like 10 different breath practices that you can use in small and longer moments to re-regulate, to recenter. It is the most portable and useful, but there are others. So we have vocalization, and that is humming, singing, any kind of sound going through the vowel chart with your mouth, <laughs> any kind of sound coming out from your voice from, and, and my, one of my living heroes, Father Greg Boyle says that the throat is the chimney of the heart. Isn't that beautiful? The throat is the chimney of the heart. So to be able to sing, to express, to use that vocal expression is another somatic technology to recenter and reactivate your, your rest and digest. Contact or sensory experiences. So having something that you can touch and experience, even if it's like a, my friend Trinity calls it a safe sweater. So like, if you know, it's like a weird day for your nervous system, like putting on a comfortable safe sweater, something that's just like feels to the touch comforting to you. And that's all of these are true, no matter how old you are, no matter how old you are, these are true. Movement is another one. So dance, shifting, tapping, hopping up and down, kicking the legs, any kind of movement. And I would like to say that as you model this in your learning communities and your workspaces, movement becomes more normalized. But I will tell you up front, when I do dancing or things like that down the hallway, you have to be a certain kind of special to like, just take the criticism up front from people that that's uncomfortable with. We are, we are sort of uncomfortable. I think in a lot of professional spaces with movement and last is stillness. Stillness is a somatic technology. And this is the thing often where when you first start practicing it, you'll feel like, oh my God, I'm tired. But actually that's what relaxation feels like. And so we can start to understand the nuanced difference of those. Anything else you guys would add as we, we kind of close up with those technologies? Yeah, I feel like there has to be this other layer too of practicing self-compassion. And I wouldn't even say forgiving ourselves for being human. I would say accepting ourselves as human, right? Because you're dealing with whenever you need to practice all those techniques that you're talking about, we also have to allow ourselves to do that without feeling some kind of guilt or shame around it. Because again, our culture, like you said, is go, go, go. So can we take a second and be like, it's okay to breathe <laughs> or, you know, it's okay to have a dance party by myself because it's good for me. And I don't have that sick, icky feeling or that critic voice that turns back on too. I love that. And lastly, I would say invite others in, you know, we work in community, we work with people. And I have a woman in my building who always says, I can always hear you dancing and singing up the stairs, Kelly. And I'm like, yeah, come on, let's do a train, you know, like, so inviting people in to, you know, even if they express discomfort around you practicing your somatic technologies to reground and re-regulate, the invitation is a really powerful one with that compassionate approach too. And so we can change our spaces by inviting others in with us to breathe or move or be still. I think that's the perfect way to end. Kelly, Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. We will talk to you next time.